Um, we are going to continue on in, in this series we started last week called Sabotage, looking at ways that you can wreck your faith. And uh, last week we started off by talking about offense, being offended all the time or quick to temper, you know, that sort of thing, and how that can really wreck your faith, especially if you end up being offended at God over things that can really derail your faith. Today we're going to talk about something that is really can be very crippling in your life and in your faith. It can, it can mark you out as, um, as, a, as a almost emotionally crippled person, um, and that is the topic of fear. fear. Some, of, some of us in this room are just almost completely driven by fear, almost completely driven by fear. Everything you do, every plan you make, every conversation you have, every, the, the way you try to control the things around you, completely driven by fear. If you're one of those people last week that we talked about, kind of short-tempered people that you're constantly just blowing up, uh, that is almost almost completely driven by fear. People who tend to like really blow up, lose their tempers, it's because it's not about, at the root of it, it's not about anger, it's at the root about fear. And, and so anyway, just I want to talk a little bit about that. Now, I'm a guy that I like like anybody like uh, horror movies, like scary movies. Anybody like that? I love, I love it so much. Like I love being scared. I remember one of the first times my uh, my parents uh, left me at home alone. Like they had my brothers were gone for some reason, and they were gone for some reason, and I was like maybe 16, 17 years old, and uh, had the house to myself, and I just got a bunch of those old. Remember those old Hellraiser movie? Don't watch them. But that's, anyway, that's what I was watching. Anyway, so I was watching those, you know, Pinhead, and, 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 uh, and just, man, those things just really creeped me out. And I remember I, we had a little dog, very similar to the little dog I have right now, a little Lhasa Opsa and, uh, named Foofer. <laughs> and so anyway, I had this little dog, and um, but watched this movie, got all the way through it, and was just creeped out. I'm in the house alone, and, and you get that sense. You know when you get that sense of, uh, I wonder if there's anybody right behind me right now. And, and, or, or you go in and you go to the bathroom and you're a little bit afraid to turn on the bathroom light because you're staring at the mirror and what if there's somebody right behind you in the mirror? I'm doing, <coughs> I'm doing all that. I'm just totally creeped out. And so I grab my little dog, who's like this big, grab my little, and I'm walking through the house like this, just walking through the house. Like, like what, I don't know, was it going to throw the dog at the person or I don't know what I was going to do. But, but I, I don't know, I really enjoy that, that creeped out feeling. I really, I really love it. And I'm still that way to this day. I've, I've let the dog go. But I, I, I still enjoy those scary, scary movies. And sometimes we do things intentionally to kind of uh, scare us, make us feel alive or, you know, whatever. Maybe it's kind of, you know, maybe your thing is roller coasters or whitewater rafting or or, uh, you know, whatever, but you, you do these things that it just kind of gives you a good jolt and you really enjoy that. Sometimes, though, in life, there are things that are legitimately scary, legitimately scary. Like, I've been legitimately scared a handful of times in my life to the point, you know, a certain cir- circumstance that come up that, you know, where you go through that kind of moment or maybe it's an extended moment of thinking that, um, you know, one of the most important people in your life, you know, you might lose that person or, uh, you know, whatever. There's just these things that will literally just kind of grip our hearts with fear. Um, and that's, that's not fun at all. That's not fun for anybody. Nobody craves those experiences. That, you know, if you do, uh, you, got some, you got some serious problems. Uh, you need a little more than a sermon. And so, but like, like, it's, like there are some legitimate fears. I remember growing up in 
you know, my dad was a pastor, so I grew up in church. And I grew up around a lot of fear-based religion. If you've been in church very long, you may know what I'm talking about. We try, we work really hard to create an environment around here that is not about fear-based religion. And and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But um, a lot of the churches I grew up in were very fear-based. It was always about, um, you know, you be good or God's going to get you. It was, or, you know, um, you know the, this idea of uh, just constantly kind of throwing hell in your face. I remember when I, when I was, um, gosh, maybe six years old, going to a VBS at the church that we attended at the time, and, and the place was packed. It was a good-sized church, and then, I mean, it was just packed out with kids. It was a really exciting environment. But one night, they thought it would be a really great idea to bring Satan in. And so they brought in this, this guy dressed up like Satan. You know, you know, the, you know the Satan on like the, the uh, deviled ham uh, can? You know what I'm talking about? That with the red suit, totally red, pointy tail, that pitchfork. That guy showed up in the middle of church one day when I was six years old and it scared me to death death. I remember like my mom was teaching some other area of the church and it, I just kind of running to her, right? Like this is not, it's like, this is it normal. It's not normal for Satan to show up at church, is it? Like that's not, that's not a normal thing. So like it, it was all this kind of thing. And, and I know the people who organized that they had all very good intentions. They thought it was very fun, but to, it was traumatic for a six-year-old, you know, it was, it was something. But I like, but I just grew up in these, these, a lot of these churches that, whether they intended it or not, because I want to give them the benefit of a doubt, because sometimes our intentions aren't always read right, but whether they intended it or not, like a lot of what was communicated to me, or the way I received it, was that God was just kind of waiting to squash me. Like, like every time I sinned, I was in danger of hellfire. Uh, if God forbid... You know, I stubbed my toe and dropped an F-bomb the moment before the car accident that killed me or, you know, whatever, and didn't get to repent. Uh, or, you know, and, and then, well, you know, you dropped that F-bomb, too bad, you're in hell now. You know, that's, that's the, those are the things that were going through my mind. I lived in this constant fear of unrepented sin, and, and, and it was just, it, it drove my relationship. So, so I was a, a kid that I legitimately tried to be a good boy. I, you know, I tried, I tried to, to be pretty good because of that fear. I, I just, the idea of hell um, motivated my faith or the way I behaved in my faith, right? And so I've come, what I've come to learn since that time of my life is that that is not what God wants for us. That's not his plan. Hell is not the good news. Hell is not the good news. For those of you who crave more hellfire and brimstone preaching, can I just encourage you to look deep within yourself and ask why you think that is? Hell is not the good news. And we can talk about the reality of heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, why would we want to reach out to people with the good news of hell? That's not the gospel. The gospel is that there is a Savior who has come to set us free from all of this fear and all of this sin and, 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 and not just promise us an eternity, but give us a life in the right here and right now. 
That's what the good news is all about. And, and for us to only want to focus on scaring people into a relationship with Jesus, the problem with scaring people into a relationship with Jesus is that eventually they will outgrow that fear, which means they will outgrow their faith. It's a dangerous thing. For those of you who parent only by fear, you've got a hard awakening coming someday. Because your kids are going to walk away and go, I don't need this anymore. I don't need this anymore. I think there's a good, we're going to talk a little bit about some healthy fears that are okay, you know. In fact, the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord being a good thing, but we're going to talk about what that means a little bit. But it is, if your faith is wholly motivated by fear, you are missing out on so, 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 so much. So much. And so I want to look at a couple verses um, today. The first one is is in Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Romans chapter 8 says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And Paul gives us this really beautiful passage about how what God invites you into is not some sort of slavery to fear and just kind of trembling and quaking in his presence, but he invites you to be a son. He invites you to be a daughter. And you're, some of you are like looking at this, and maybe you're new to church, and you're going, what in the world does really cruddy Canadian pop music have to do with adoption in Christ? Um, it's not that kind of Abba, different Abba. Um, and so uh, it, Abba here is, is it's, it's, it's calling back the idea. It would make more sense to you if I would have said um, that by him we cried, Dada, Father. It, Abba is in, in the Middle East the first words of almost every infant. When they uh, call out for their Dada, they call out for Abba, Abba. They reach up and Abba, Abba. And Jesus you know, teaches us that Christ, or, or that God is our Father. God is our Father, and that we cry out to Him as, as a little child, a little child would call out to a father, Abba, Father. That's a very intimate type of relationship. It's not a, it's not a formal relationship. Is anybody tired of formal church? Formal, ugh, ugh, like it's horrible, awful. Why, we should, no, never mind, I'm not going to go down the road. So anyway, it's like, like formal, like we don't need formal, we need, we need relationship, we need intimacy with our, with our Heavenly Father. We need that, and that's what He invites us into, this beautiful adoption into His family. We're not motivated by fear as a slave of the household would be motivated by fear. No, 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 you are a son, you're a part of the family, you're a daughter, you're a part of the family. He goes on, uh, look at uh, uh, John says in 1 John. We read this a couple weeks ago. Um, <coughs> pardon me. John in chapter 4 says, There is no fear in love. This is such a, man, you guys hone in on every word of this that, that we're reading right now. Really, suck, you know, just absorb it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Fear has to do with punishment. 
And I just, because I know a room full of people in the way, you know, just by the odds of, you know, uh, so this many people in a room, I know that there's at least a handful of, in, of you in here that your faith is almost completely motivated by your fear of being punished by God. Some of you showed up this morning because you realized it had been a few weeks since you'd been in church and you're like, I need God on my side. I need to get back in church. Like you just this fear of punishment that's constantly motivating everything, every decision, every, everything you do. And, and John so beautifully says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. I have a, my, my son, Isaiah, uh, is living in the Phoenix area right now, and man, I miss him. In fact, <laughs> me and all the girls went out to, Jamie, Jamie and me and all the girls went out to Chili's the other night, because we're ballers, and uh, <laughs> anyway, so, so we, <laughs> we're at Chili's the other night, and, um, and we're walking up, and there's just this, like, I don't even know how to describe what it was I was experiencing, but it was just this. It was, it was six, it was six, six women, young and small, all talking at the same time. And I'm just, I, and I'm, we're literally walking up to the restaurant and I'm just like, I can't, like it's hurting my brain. And, and I, I just go, man, I miss Isaiah. <laughs> I said it out loud too. But I was like, man, I miss Isaiah. Like, like I just, you know, that sort of thing. But here's the thing, even though I like Isaiah's, you know, uh, 12 hours or so away from us right now, and 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 we do we all do miss having him around. Um, it, it doesn't matter if it's been a day or if it's been a couple of weeks since I've last spoken to him. Um, I'm just always happy to hear from him. Just always, always, and he doesn't he doesn't ever call me with this like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I skipped a few days of calling you, or you know, like, like there's no fear there. He just knows. When he calls, we're going to have a good talk. It's going to be great, right? No fear there. And that's the kind of relationship that your heavenly father invites you into. Whether it's not about the fear, it's not about that. He's just, man, he's just, he's just happy to, that you want to be in his presence. Just happy that you want to be in his presence. Does he desire for uh, more of that time with you? Absolutely. As any good father does, absolutely he does. But... He, it's not about fear. It's, it's about love. It's about love. And, and some of you need to allow yourself to experience, I mean, like really, truly, genuinely experience that love, maybe for the first time in your life. Maybe, maybe your whole walk in this, this thing we call faith has been all about fear, even if you didn't really realize it. And what you really need is to experience the kind of acceptance that your heavenly Father wants to give you. That he, he wants to offer that to you, and experience that on a deeper level than you've ever experienced it before. This is kind of the first big point: is this we need to abandon fear-based religion and pursue a love-based relationship with Jesus. We need to abandon that fear-based religion. Let that stuff go. And you're like, I'm afraid to let it go because what if I let it go too far? <laughs> right? Learn to experience a love-based relationship with Christ. And here's the thing about when it really becomes love-based, 
you'll want more of it, not less of it. More of it. Like, like, like I, I crave time. I was talking about Isaiah. I, the truth is I crave time with, with my entire family, with my wife and all my girls and Isaiah. I, 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 I crave that time. I want that time with them. I love it when they want to just sit next to me on the couch and watch some stupid sitcom and hold my hand. That's, that's gold. That is gold, right? I, I, I want more of that, not less of it. And the same thing will be true with Christ. Like, abandon the fear-based stuff. Learn what it looks like to truly <clears throat> be loved by God and, 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 and try to give that love back. You'll want more time of that with that, not less. So here's the deal. Beyond this kind of fear-based religion that's so easy for us to fall into, and by, and by the way, I get it. If that's you, I'm not trying to beat you up. I know how easy it is to fall into that. It, it really is especially depending on the environment you were brought up and the way you were taught about, you know, faith. And I've got a cousin who, you know, uh, they, they were, this, their family was, was Catholic. And, and, uh, and every time he did anything wrong, his punishment was to go to his room and read his Bible, right? That was his punishment. Every single time, go to your room, read your Bible. And so for him, faith was always connected to being punished. Every, so I get, depending on how you were raised, depending on what, the kind of teaching you were taught, you know, in churches that you grew up, or, or just your impression about faith by, you know, whatever, TV shows or whatever your impression might be, I understand how you can get to that place, but I'm telling you, God has so much more for you. He's not interested in, you, in scaring you into a relationship with him. He just wants that relationship. That's it. That's it. So... There are a lot of other things in terms of fear that can really creep up in our lives, um, and, and they're, they're legitimate fears, and so I want to talk about a few of those you know, before we close out this morning. And so the first one uh, we talk about, gets talked about in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. It says this. It's talking about the children of God. And so he says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, talking about Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, we might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So the fear of death is a real thing. Like a lot of people are legitimately afraid to die. Some of you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind, and some of you have a legitimate fear around death. And some of that is like just an unhealthy fear. Some of it, you like you're just not convinced that whatever's beyond death is going to be good enough for you and, and, you know, like, will I like it and all this kind of stuff. And so I, and I understand all of that, but some of us have a, like a, just a legitimate fear of death. And, and when you are kind of crippled by that fear that re revolves around death, he, you know, our, our guy here who wrote Hebrews, he picked the exact right word. It's a slavery. It's a slavery. Some of you feel completely restricted, bound up in your life because of the fear of death that's going on in your life. And you need to learn to move past that. Now, for, for the follower of Jesus Christ, it's a little bit easier. We have a hope beyond death to look forward to. We know that this life is not all there is, that life continues even beyond uh, our last breath and our last heartbeat, that they, in fact, it, it continues in an even better way uh, beyond our last breath and, and our last heartbeat, that we, we have eternity in mind, not just the 70 or 80 years that we're allotted you know, here on this earth. And so it, it, it's, it's a little easier, I think, for some of us to make that jump to, 
I'm not going to be quite so afraid of death. But regardless of whether you're a person of faith or not, what I want to tell you is that death does not need to have a, a, a slavery-type hold on you because there is hope beyond death. There's hope beyond death. There's something better coming. There's something even more beautiful coming. And for me to preach that to a room full of people living in Northern California, in one of the most beautiful spots on the entire planet, and tell you there's something more beautiful coming, it might seem like a pipe dream, but I'm telling you, I believe it's true. If I didn't believe that was true, I would not be sitting up here today. It just wouldn't be. What a waste of time. What an absolute waste of time if this is all we have to hope for. But we have something even more beautiful, even, even greater to hope for. And so for, for those of you who allow your kind of crippling fear of death to overwhelm you, can I just encourage you to begin praying that, that God would remove that from you? To, to just like, God, would you just kind of release me of this and help me to live? Some, some of you, it's such an issue with you that it's driving your family crazy. You won't go anywhere, you won't do anything, you won't try anything new, you won't let your family go anywhere or do anything or try anything new, and it is absolutely driving everyone around you crazy. And it's not just slavery for you, your fear is causing slavery for everybody that you love too. And the, the, the releasing of that, years ago we did a, a mission trip. And, uh, and it was literally to the ends of the earth. And, um, I mean, it was literally out in the jungles. And um, as we're preparing for this trip, one of the people that was going on this trip with us uh, had a legitimate fear around flying. And we were going to be flying to the exact opposite side of the planet, as far away as you could possibly fly. And get off of a plane and catch a helicopter into the jungle, right? So it's a pretty significant step for this person. And, and, and I, and, but she really felt like God was calling her to go on this trip, but she was like, man, she was having a hard time getting over this fear. And I remember saying to her one day, here's the thing, is that this is what you know as a follower of Jesus Christ. When it's your t- if it's not your time to go, then it's not your time to go. There's not, staying here or going is not going to change that one iota. Because if it is your time to go and you stay here on the ground, then you're just going to have a boring death. Right? <laughs> just like, like it'd be in a newspaper, it'd be like, oh, died of an untended to ingrown toenail. Right? <laughs> right? Must have been her time. Right? But if it is your time, but if it's not your time to go, then then you have no fear. There's nothing. There, nothing can nothing can touch you. You're you're lit, for the follower of Jesus Christ. If it's not, if you believe God is honestly in control of, of of things, if it's not your time, if your time allotted time on this earth has not been completed yet, you are literally untouchable. Untouchable. If you believe God is totally in control. And so ultimately, it's not a fear of flying. It's it boils down to a fear of, can I, can I trust my life into the hands of God? Can I trust my life into the hands of God? Be prayerful. For those of you who are struck by that fear, be prayerful that God would help you move beyond that because there's so much freedom there. On, uh, keep on going. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 says this. 
Keep your life, this is so good, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is my helper. I won't be afraid. When we talk about the, the Lord being our helper, we're not talking about the Lord being this kind of, uh, you know, like the way I was a helper to my dad, the hand me the wrench helper, that sort of thing, you know, where he was kind of, no. The Lord is our helper in the same way that, say, um, at, you know, at different times in Israel's history, they would reach out to a stronger surrounding nation, say like an Egypt, to go, we need help defeating this other group. And Egypt, the stronger, more powerful, better armies, nations would come alongside and help and make sure that the same thing happened in our own history with, uh, you know, the French kind of coming to the rescue during the Revolutionary War and a stronger, more organized, more powerful Navy and, our, and, and military force that came alongside of us as a help to help us win that cause, that, that sort of, this, God is your help. He is your strong help. He is your far more advanced and knowing and powerful help. And with that help, you cannot lose. With that help, you have no reason to be afraid. No reason at all to be afraid. But I love how the writer of Hebrews here starts off this little lesson of don't be afraid with this kind of thing of, of um, keep your lives free from the love of money. He's like, so, so what happens if you lose all your money? What happens if you lose your position? What happens if the circumstances of your life or your country or your financial well-being, what happens if some of that changes? Do you still have reason to be afraid? And the answer is, no, God is your strong help. What can mere mortals do to you? What can, here, here's the thing is that what Paul at a different point says, I've learned in all things to be content. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And what he's talking about is this situation right here. I've learned to have a lot, and I've learned to have a little. I can handle any situation that comes my way. I can do all things through Christ. What can mere mortals do to me? What's a, what's a little hiccup in my budget? What's a little loss of a job? What's a little change of a situation that I wasn't expecting? What can mere mortals do to me? God is my strong help. I have no reason to be afraid. Like, I got, let me just be honest with you and tell you that there are, I've had seasons in my life that were scary, that that attitude, that what can a mere mortal do to me, God is my strong help, that attitude came easy to me. And I was like, God's got this. God's got this. I have, I, I have no doubt that God's got this. And then I've had seasons in my life where it didn't come nearly as quickly, where I was trembling a little bit, where I was a little bit frightened, where I was a little bit like, ah, I'm not sure what, well, you know, I'm trying to control and manipulate and trying to get everything, you know, all my ducks in a row because I'm just not sure what's going to happen. There's nothing wrong, wrong with working a good situation. But at the end of the day, we need to be able, be able to acknowledge God is in control. He's got this. He's got this. Look at the next one. 2 Timothy. This is good stuff. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit... This is, oh, this is so good. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Some of your versions say uh, the, 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 uh, God does not give us a spirit of fear. God does not give us a spirit of fear. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, 
love, self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Some of us in this room have a real fear of being bold in our faith. A real fear around going, I don't know if I can open my mouth up or say the right words or, or whatever or share my faith or share, share the reason that, there's, that I've got hope or you know, I'm just a little nervous about that. I, I don't want to screw it up or, or what will people think. And, and you, really, I mean, you really wrestle in your mind over this. Because here's the thing, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to share at least once in a while. At least once in a while, the Holy Spirit is going, go ahead, tell somebody. Tell, tell that person, you know, it's that coworker, it's that family member, it's that neighbor, whoever it is. But somebody, you know, they're, they're sharing with you about a situation they're going through and the Holy Spirit just kind of in your head is going, go ahead, tell them, invite them to church. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the time you went through that same thing and how, you, how the Lord was your strong help and got you through that situation. You know, just nudging you towards it. And, and, and we oftentimes just kind of get crippled with fear, like, ah, I probably will, I'll screw it up. I don't know, what if they think I'm weird? You know, we just, we just kind of obsess over all this stuff. And what I love is that God has not given you a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit does not make you timid. Instead, he gives you power, love, self-discipline. Some of your versions say a sound mind, right? It's that, that idea of what he brings is strength and clarity. Where you are confused, where you are fearful, that's not authored by God. That's not, that, was not, that, that, that does not come from God. That, there's a whole other force at play that's bringing all that to your head. It's the enemy. The enemy is trying to get you off track. The enemy is trying to keep you from opening up your mouth. The enemy is trying to tell you how weak and insufficient and everything else that it's, he's telling you. He is trying to keep your mouth shut. What God wants to do is give you, put you in a position of strength, clarity, spiritual power, and most of all, like love. Because love shares Jesus. Real, genuine love. If you're a person, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, genuine love, the love of Christ, would have you share that love, that hope that you've received with other people. That's what love does. That's what love does. So here's the thing. We have fear talk in our head all the time. All the time. I mean, just, just going throughout our days, going throughout our work weeks, whatever. I mean, there is constantly like little nudges from the Holy Spirit that we feel, and we immediately back it up with fear talk. I don't know. You know I'm not, I don't have the money. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a very good speaker. I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm going to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And this is what this passage is trying to tell you. Go ahead and put up that next, that next one is this that ain't God. That ain't God. For all you grammar nerds, relax, because it's going to get ugly. That ain't God. That's the voice of the enemy in your head, just trying to get you to do anything or nothing except for the one thing that God is asking you to do. And he will fill your head with fear talk. Fill it up. That ain't God. You're like, I don't know if I can be the, the wife or the mother that my family needs from me and that God is calling me to be, that ain't God. 
I don't know if I can be the husband or the father that my family needs from me or that God is calling me to be. That ain't God. I don't know if I can speak up to my friend that I know really is ready to receive the gospel, but I'm just fearful. That ain't God telling you that. I don't know if I can do this thing that God is calling me to do, and I can feel it so strong. It's like I can almost taste what it's going to look like to follow God in this and, and, and lead this initiative or do this thing. I don't think I'm capable of doing that. That ain't God. Like over and over, and I, I don't know if I can go, on, go to this place, or I don't know if I can get on that plane. I don't know if I can, you know, overcome this fear. And I'm telling you that, that isn't God. That's not God. That ain't God. It just is not. Like what God has for you is so much more beautiful, so much more strong. Like we didn't hear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to be vulnerable, and we're in church and nobody will tell. But is, would anybody, I'll, I'll, and I'll lift mine too, but would anybody just lift your hand and go, there are areas of my life that I am fearful about that I need to remind myself that that's not God speaking to me. Yeah. Holy crap, you guys are scaredy cats. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. Okay, so, so like, like, yeah, it is, that is all of us. All of us, even the strongest person in this room would confess that there are areas of our life that I'm, I'm fearful about. I don't know. I'm scared to make a move because what will be the consequences? What will be the financial consequences? What will be the, the health consequences? What will be the relationship consequences? What will be the, the, the uh, reputation consequences? And you're scared to do these things that God might be asking you to do or you're just, a, you're just afraid to let go of unhealthy fears in general that you just obsess about and that, you have, that have started to control your life. And that ain't God. It is the enemy. And you as a follower of Jesus Christ are getting punked by the enemy. And that is not the ground that Christ has called you to stand on. It's just not. You are giving the enemy victory in your life because you don't believe the Holy Spirit of God living in you is strong enough to carry you to the place that he's calling you to. And that's not God. Quit giving him the victory. Quit giving the enemy all the wins in your life. Instead, right now, some of you right now, I mean, there is something in your head right now that you know the Lord has been speaking, you, speaking to you about or calling, to, calling you towards, and you've been putting it off. You've been making excuses. You've been doing all this kind of stuff. And right now, I just want you to like, just where you are, we're going to get all charismatic this morning. Like right now, just rebuke the enemy and say, you have no more, I'm not letting you pay rent in this headspace anymore. You've been evicted. You've been evicted. This space is owned by the Holy Spirit of God. And there's only room for him. There's only room for him. And when you get angry enough to like kick that enemy out and just go, I'm done with you. I'm done listening to you. I'm done being told how worthless I am, how, how whatever. Like when you're done with that finally and get to the place where you go, no, no, no. I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit of God living in me can take care of anything that he's calling me to. Some of you are afraid to trust that a relationship you're in could ever be any better. I'm telling you that ain't God. Some of you right now are afraid to even begin following Jesus because you just think you're not good enough. And every other Christ follower in this room would say it with me this morning to you and say it. Let's say it. That ain't God. 
None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough because it's not about that. Don't let the enemy keep you from what will be the most meaningful, beautiful relationship of your life. Jesus Christ. It doesn't get better than that. It does not. Don't let fear keep you from that. Amen? Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray this morning. We'll close with this. (coughs) Pardon me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we love you, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory this morning, and we thank you that you are our strong help. That you are literally the strongest force in the universe and you offer your help to us every single day. And it doesn't matter what fears we have, how stacked the odds are against us. God, if we stand alone with you, we stand in the majority. So God, help us to realize that. Like, Let that really sink into our hearts and to our minds and help us to like bring us to a place where we legitimately believe that. Where, where our, our faith in you and in your strength and in your power becomes so strong that we, we, just, we get to this place where we just quickly dismiss any fear talk that's going on in our head. God, I believe you have powerfully called all of us in this room to do some powerful things for you. And whatever that is, whether it has to do with the way that we do family or the way that we do work, the way that we do our, our marriages, the way that we are neighbors or contributors to this community, whatever it might be, the way that we just share the hope that we have in you. God, remind us that you have not authored any fear talk that's going on in our head. Instead, you call us to to power and love, clear thinking. Remind us of that. God, if there's anybody in the room that's fearful about just beginning to follow you, God, I pray that you would just remove that fear and just, just let them know that they don't have to have their life all figured out. They don't have to have all their wild oats sown. They don't have to have, you know, whatever it is that they're telling themselves going on. They're said that, 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 you know, nobody's going to accept the change in their life or believe the change in their life because they've been so different before. Whatever it is that's rolling around in their head, tell them they, they can't make this decision. Got to pray that your Holy Spirit would just cut through all of that and reach them and remind them just of how much you love them and that you love them just the way that they are and there's no fear involved in that. And you don't call them to some sort of um, relationship with you that is all about avoiding hell, God. No, you call them to a relationship with you that's all about truly and fully living their life right here and right now. So remove all that fear that's floating around this room this morning and help us to follow you in love and, and closely increase our desire to be with you. We'll just give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
God is good. Amen? Amen. All right. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week.